everybody. Welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly. We are a fan podcast about the card game Marvel Champions, and we are here a week out from Con of Heroes. It is just me and Americano so far tonight. Adderkop's going to join us a little bit later tonight, uh, but we got to stick to schedule. Late people are late, you know. Those, he's wrapped up basic with, people. He's wrapped up. The Sinister Six have him trapped, so. Oh, yes. Well, hopefully he sees the light at the end of the tunnel soon, or whatever that card is called. But... Good call out, because we're going to be finishing up our Sinister Motives campaign three-part episode today. So we are going to go over the Sinister Six, the mysterious Venom Goblin, and talk about the campaign system and our overall thoughts on the box. Crimson couldn't make it today, so we are going to get his overall thoughts on the box recorded into the next episode. And we'll um, have those contained there, and hopefully Adderkop shows up before that point. We'll see. Otherwise, we'll put his in later, too. So, who's Jazz, right? This is uh, going to be awesome. Yeah, let's talk about this. I have it's going to be a, a roller coaster for me tonight. Well, we'll do the MCM challenge at the end of the episode, just like last episode, because we want to talk about the scenario that you're going to play before we challenge you to it. So, we're going to get kicked off right away with the Sinister Six, and I will do the overview for that scenario. So, last episode we talked about Sandman. You got it. Venom. Mhm. And Mysterio. And we pretty much liked all three scenarios, except for Crimson, who hated one. Um, so this is a very strong box. And in my opinion, the Sinister Six does not disappoint. So the Sinister Six is a six-villain scenario. That's right. Kennedy Hawk is saying he likes a multi-villain scenario for the first time ever. Amazing. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take right there. A fun multi-villain scenario has been achieved. Good job, design team. Um, I love it. So you've got six villains. You've got Dr. Octopus, Electro, Hobgoblin, Craven the Hunter, Scorpion, and Vulture. So you've got all of those, and they only have one form, and they don't scale based on hit points. So I'm not going to read all their stats, but as an example, Dr. Octopus is a two-scheme, two-attack with eight hit points. He has the force response after after Dr. Octopus. Sorry, his tentacles got my tongue tied. After Dr. Octopus attacks and damages you, place one threat on each scheme. Move the active counter to the next villain in the activation order, and that's a forced response. He also has a when defeated, remove four threat from a side scheme, seven threat instead if no other villain is in play, set this villain aside. So all these villains are going to start set aside. You're going to reveal a specific number of them that we get to to start with, and you're going to put them in play. And each of these six villains has a forced response that is, after so-and-so attacks and damages you, place one threat on each scheme, or Dr. Octopus is just place one threat on each scheme, but it's, it's some bad effect, and move the token to the next character in activation order. So they go in the order I read earlier. Dr. Octopus is activation order one, Electro is two, Hobgoblin three, Craven four, Scorpion five, and Vulture six. So we'll talk more about the villains in a little bit, but that's their overall um, gimmick, is that they all move who the active villain is to the next villain after they attack and damage you. And that means attack and damage your identity. So they are susceptible to stun and confuse. They are susceptible to just sit in an alter ego form to control who they are, and they are susceptible to ally chump blocking. Right. So right, because that force response is only after they attack and damage you. It's not it has nothing to do with well that force response is. Yes. Attack and damage. So yeah, you can sit in alter ego technically and not change them. And I know some people don't like when you can cheese the game with chump blocking. 
But there are enough villains in this box that don't let you cheese the game from jump blocking that they got to throw that blue player a bone because blue needs help. So let's just face it. All right. So they've got two main schemes. We have Sinister Synchronization. Say that six times fast. The setup is choose X villains at random where X is one more than the number of players. So on a four-player game, you're going to start with five villains to play. Place the active villain counter on the villain with the lowest activation order and set the other villains aside. Put the light at the end of the tunnel side scheme into play, trap side, face up. So I'm going to tell you right now, that should actually be reveal the light at the end of the tunnel with the trap side face up. We'll get to why here in a little bit. So this is pretty cool. You're going to start with randomized villains. So each scenario is going to be a little bit different. None of the villains scale in hit points, but they all have different hit point values. Um, so you're going to have different targets and things like that to start with. And it might seem like having more than one villain out isn't a big deal, but as we get further into the scenario, their whole gimmick is trying to swarm you with too many villains and minions. And there's a lot of things that scale based on the number of enemies in play. So having too many of them out there can be kind of a hindrance. So on 1B for the Sinister Synchronization, we have the special ability Ambush. Choose a set-aside villain at random and put that villain into play, and place the active counter on it. In expert mode, place two threat here on light at the end of the tunnel. So this is an important thing to point out. There aren't two-sided villains for this. There isn't like a Dr. Octopus A and B or a one and two. There's just a Dr. Octopus villain. So all of the expert player scaling is going to be due to the expert modular set and different cards in the scenario that might have extra bad things if you're playing in expert mode. And personally, I love this. I think it's a different way to scale expert to standard, and it really feels right. Rather than just being three cards that get shuffled in, the whole scenario feels kind of different when you're playing in expert mode or a little bit edgier. Um, I thought I'd ask you right away, Adderkop, what do you think about, not Adderkop, oh my gosh, Americano, I am <laughs> tongue-tied. What do you think about this different version of expert scaling? Good um, or bad? I, I think it's good. I think it's good for the game. Um I think there's a practical reason, right? I mean, I guess there's six villains, right? So they're going to have to come up with something new um, on a backside if they had if they had like an expert side. But what they did instead, just throwing it in the card on the cards. I don't mind the extra text because I I just think it. We haven't seen that yet, right? And I I think I I mean I think it's good for the game. I like multiple um, things about it, right? So you, it's hard to randomize the villains if they're double-sided. So you don't have that problem anymore because mm -hmm. you can just not be able to see the backside of them. And you also get to use all the cards in this scenario, whether you're a standard or an expert player, right? If you're an expert player, you only use the villain stage two and three, and villain stage one is just a divider in your deck box. And same thing for standard players. That villain stage three is just a divider. But now you use every card in this set, which I think is really cool. You're not... I don't want to say throwing away cards, but you're not uh, ignoring as many cards if you're always playing in one mode. Um, also on this scheme, there's a forced interrupt. When a villain would activate, if no villain is in play, resolve this card's ambush ability and continue that activation. So you're never going to have no villain in play. Someone's always going to pop out with this ambush ability that brings one out and puts the active counter on it. This scheme pops at 8 per player and has 2 threat per player. It uh, goes into stage 2B, where when you start at stage 2B, you're going to choose another random villain and put them into play with the when revealed. 2A, sorry. 
And if no villain was put into play this way, or if this is expert mode, you're also going to deal each player an encounter card. So there's a little bit of encounter card, searchy search, fun stuff. Again, this one is called Sinister Beatdown. It has Ambush again and the same Forced Interrupt. It's really just giving you two thresholds and a way for the villain to pop out and sort of overwhelm you with their numbers. So the last thing before we get to the cards that actually get shuffled into the deck is that Light at the End side scheme. So the trap side of that is a permanent side scheme that starts at 10 threat plus Hinder 10. This is why it should be when revealed, because Hinder only goes off on reveal. And it's pretty obvious that the design intent was for all the threat to be placed. But 10 plus Hinder 10 means in a solo game, this has 20 threat. In a two-player game, this has 30 threat. That's a lot of threat. Forced Interrupt, when the last threat is removed from this side scheme, resolve the ambush ability on the main scheme and flip this card. Players can escape on the other side, and that's the only way for the players to win. So you're going to try to remove, in our two-player game, Americano, we had to remove 30 threat, and then we flipped it to the other side. The other side has 5 threat plus hinder 10 per player again, so then we had 25 more threat to remove. The players cannot win unless they escape. When the last threat is removed from this scheme, the players escape and win the game, and a hazard icon. So be careful when you flip that, because you're going to be in semi-heroic mode as soon as it happens pretty permanently. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the gist of the scheme, or scenario, right? So you're going to have a bunch of different villains that are coming out. They all do different nasty things, but you can kind of find your way around them. You can use damage to defeat the villains, which helps you remove threat from light at the end because of all their went defeat effects. You can use justice and leadership to just thwart. Um, or you can defend against the villain to get more of them out there and then crash them all down at once to remove a ton of threat from a side scheme that you need to. Yeah, so when, we, when we played, we were using leadership and protection. Um, and we did, we, used, we did use that when you defeat him, like removing that threat. Um, That's how from, we got through, I think. Yeah. So I mean, it, I th <laughs> I think that the it's a very well designed scenario, especially that when I think it needed that the when defeated on each of the villains, the removal of threat because of the your your win condition is threat removal, and yep. obviously that that tends to favor leadership and and justice players. Um. So you wouldn't really want to play this as an aggression player. But because they added that one thing, that one defeated, it makes this a, a fun scenario for any aspect, regardless of the aspect, or, or fighter, or, or hero. That's what our four-player group thought. They really give you incentive to play all four aspects in a four-player game, right? Because you want someone to be able to defend against the villains and not take damage, so protection right up your alley, or leadership with chump blocking. They want someone to be able to thwart so justice, and again, leadership, you're like the jack of all trades, so you can do that. And they want someone to be able to damage the villains to get to remove that threat. So like everybody can help make progress or stall the villains, and it's kind of a beautiful mess. Um, so who's your, which, which villain of yours do you think is the coolest? And we'll read that villain's text. We already read um, Dr. Octopus, right? He places threat on the, all the schemes, including that side scheme. Well, I guess overall, I like that each of the villains kind of mimic their minion counterpart. I guess we don't have a Craven the Hunter minion, right? Yeah, or a Hobgoblin yet. Or a Hobgoblin. Maybe. Um, but the Hobgoblin one makes sense because he's throwing pumpkin bombs, and so you yep. take indirect damage. So we'll just read that one. Um, 
his force response. He's activation. He's the third in activation order. Uh, two scheme, one attack with a force response. After Hobgoblin attacks and damages you, take two indirect damage, and then you move the active counter, uh, active counter to the next villain in the activation order. So like his, I mean that's kind of a, a thematic thing that they've done with Marvel Champions is explosions and fire and stuff. That's indirect damage, right? Yep. Um, Electro has done a, does a lot of discards from your deck. He mills your deck. Um, uh, he mills the encounter deck. Oh, encounter deck. Yeah, yeah. But here he mills your deck, so he's still discarding. I get it. Discarding. Scorpion um, stuns you. Just like his minion. Vulture and discards from hand, just like yep. his minion. Yeah, I didn't notice that until just now, but that's actually yeah. really cool. Um, obviously, we didn't have a Doc, a Doc Ock. I don't think we did. A Doc Ock minion. No. Um, and and Craven uh, makes you discard a supporter upgrade. So... Um, if we get those minions in the future, we can't we maybe know what to expect with them. Uh, if we get those minions in the future, <laughs> what are you talking about? Did you, did you, you didn't see it yet. Did you? Oh, I didn't see it yet. What is it? What are you talking so, about? Well, we'll talk about the mod sets that go in this and then we'll talk about this one afterwards, but there's actually a mod set that's not used uh, in any of yes. the five scenarios that has the six sinister, the, the Sinister Six villains oh, you're as right. minions. And they do exactly almost what their um, villainous counterpart does. Not exactly the same, but close enough that I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I uh, when I'm going through and, and doing the scenario and sleeving my cards, I don't pay attention to what the tech the 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 text on the cards because I want to experience it. So oh, yeah, you're right. I I didn't even realize that that was that was so, a modular set in here. Sinister Six is like a bonus modular set, and it's got three boost icons on all six cards, and it's just the six sinister villains. Yep, sinister all assault, elites, there it is. all with villainous and another keyword each, and then a forced response that's similar to their um, villainous version. They're all ones that it's not just after they attack and damage you. It's just if they activate against you. But since they're minions, they're more likely to be defeated before they activate. So it doesn't bother me as much. But anyway, they're not used in this scenario. In the campaign, they are used interestingly. And we'll talk about why. Um, so the rest of this encounter is a bunch of treachery cards that are like... I really love this. They're like villainous team-up cards. So I'll read one here first. High Fashion has Craven the Hunter and Electro on it. It says, in expert mode, this card gains insight one and cannot be canceled. When revealed, put the set-aside Electro and Craven the Hunter into play. If Electro is already in play, discard the highest cost card you control. If Craven the Hunter is already in play, discard the lowest cost card you control. So there's a team-up for three different pairings of the villains that will bring them into play and have them do something. Um, I thought that was super cool. There's a treachery where the lowest activation order villain schemes if you're an alter ego, or the highest activation order attacks if you're in hero form, and they get plus X scheme or plus X attack from all the other villains that are out there. So it's this yeah. big like team punch for the villain. Um, and there's one that re resolves the ambush ability. Um, and I think one, two, three, six of those treacheries have a different ability in expert than standard they have that like insight one and can't be canceled or gain surge and can't be canceled or something like that oh good these 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 are awesome i mean if you just look at the those you'll we'll call them the villainous team up cards 
they're hilarious. The the like how they chose the pair the pairings that they did. It's just like frequent flyers, vulture and hobgoblin flying. High fashion. You got Craven with a uh, anyway, I just think it's hilarious. I, I loved the the names. There's also a lot of attachments in this set. So that's like another gimmick they have. And all the attachments will attach to a certain villain depending on what's happening. So heightened morale is attached to the villain with the highest activation order. If there's not one, you resolve ambush and then attach it. And it gives that villain plus X equal to the number of villains in play. So like I said, if you get too many villains in play, they sort of overwhelm you, which feels very thematic. Um, you're surrounded. Makes sense. You're surrounded. You, you really feel like you're trapped like you are in the story, which I thought was really cool. The mod sets you use are Guerrilla Tactics and just the standard set. So this mod set is brutal. Um, so it's got two minions... Life-size decoy, which has amazing art of a fake Scarecrow Dr. Octopus. In expert mode, life-size decoy gains toughness. The engaged player cannot thwart side schemes. It's a 5 health, 0, zero minion. And it comes out on boost. So this is like another really well-designed minion in this box, like we talked about last episode. It's one that you can choose to get rid of it right away. Or if you're not working on that side scheme to progress, um, at least in this scenario, to work on your victory condition, you can say, no, I need to handle like managing villains or building my board first. So I can let him sit out there because he's a zero zero. But every once in a while, you know, something will come out that will attach to a minion and really bite you. Um, so I love, I love those minions. It comes with three side schemes, and they all scale with the number of enemies in play. So coordinated effort is a six threat side scheme. Each enemy gains one acceleration icon. So if you have too many villains and these life-size decoys out, all of a sudden the main scheme is going up by eight a turn or something like that. It's insane. And the, um, the, the thing to note with these is it doesn't have a per player threat threshold, right? Yes. So, or not threshold. Um, Like this coordinated effort is just six. So you could theoretically, you're not hosed if you're, if you're the, like aggression player, because you can just take out the villain and then remove threat from that side scheme. Yep, exactly. So they they work a little, they work pretty well. That's the highest one is the sixth threat one. Mm -hmm. They all do something on boost. We know boost abilities are bad. Um, the next one is the one that really kills me. It's hidden in shadow. Each enemy gains one hazard icon. That card is brutal. Like, so bad. <laughs> Um, because if you don't remove that and you have three villains out there, all of a sudden you have three hazard icons and you're playing, you know, heroic two and a half or something. Um, so one of my hints for this scenario is if you have a justice player, turn one before things are out of control, go get that hidden in shadow with one way or another and defeat it and just get it out of the deck. Cause then you have a whole deck pass before we have to worry about it again. Yeah. It's only got four on it. So it's only got four. Should be too bad. Take it out, take it out pretty quickly. And then they've got teamwork makes the dream work. Each enemy gets plus one scheme and plus one attack. So it doesn't say that it scales off enemies, like it's not extra hazard guards or extra acceleration. But now like the villains are only only one of them is going to activate per player in the villain phase. But if you have a bunch of minions out, like this does sort of scale based on the number of enemies. Um, and that one's got five threat to start. There's a couple of treacheries that just place threat on the main scheme for each enemy in play. So again, that can get pretty crazy. I really want to try this set out with Ultron. Don't say it. Don't say it. I knew you were going to say it. Oh, this would be so fun. <laughs> I can't wait. So 
I'm not <laughs> saying mutagen formula. I'm saying Ultron. It's okay. <laughs> they're, they're weenies, right? Yeah. I, I think that this modular – I mean, this modular set, this is what I was wanting from, like, the Loki scenario. Like, I wanted a modular set like this that worked so well with the Loki scenario because this works so well with – as a as a standalone modular set, but it also works so well with the Sinister Six um, mm-hmm. scenario, because like this life size decoy makes it so you can't thwart side schemes. Well, you can, so you can't take out those those side schemes that there's three of them in there. You got to take out the decoy first, and then you can go for it. it. It there's just so many things about this that I actually I, I think it's very well. You know designed. who you'd really like to play this with. Your favorite Who? scenario, um, Hella, right? Uh, there's yeah, these minions be, that yeah. make it so you can't hit the side scheme. Yep. There's all these side schemes that make those like checkpoint minions get these buffs. Um, it seems like it would be super cool, so I need to try it out. Still, um, I've mainly been focusing on the sinister motives villains the last couple of weeks, but I do really like this this encounter. Um. So that's the rundown. That was a very long rundown. I apologize, but I like this scenario. Like I, I really liked Sandman and Mysterio last week, and I did like Venom not as much as the other two. And this one's right up there, at least for me, with Sandman and Mysterio. Like those three are all in my top ten scenarios for the game. And it could just be Cult of the New, but at this point we've had the box for like a month, so I feel like it should have worn off, right? Um, but they they seem like they're mainstays for me for now. Yeah. Um, what what are your thoughts on the Sinister Six? It give me it six is, thoughts. No, just kidding. It is my third favorite scenario in the box. Um, but it also is a very highly rated scenario overall for me. Um, it is my spoiler fav- alert. I guess you it, like the box. <laughs> it is my. Uh, it is my favorite of the multi-villain scenarios like you. Um, I think it's just... I I don't know that... I mean... How can I say this without just, just being a, a yes man? Um, I don't know that there are very many misses with this scenario, honestly. And that's... So that's... I guess maybe the biggest thing is that you have... You have like six villains that you have to shuffle it, but that's just the nature of them being the sinister six i i don't even know that that's a downside it's it's really fun it's really fun and as a protection player a lot of times i don't like to see when i have to go and thwart 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 but I, i'm telling you that that design move to make those villains because they're that's the thing with them they're pretty easy to defeat they're, yep. they're, they're they don't scale um with player count hit points um, their attachments, um, they go away when you defeat them. They, there's no way to defeat, to, to get rid of the attachments like a lot of the other ones, right? Because yeah, they're you not... you have to defeat the villain to get rid of the attachment. That's a good point. Right. So, uh, and I think that's the right call because they don't, they're not necessarily staying out there a lot. But for me, it feels really thematic because you have, the, you have them coming in waves, right? Where you're, you're punching Scorpion back. And he's not—he's not defeated. He's just out of the fight, right? Because you, yep. you quote unquote defeated him. He's out of the fight, so you're able to press along that path um, 
you know, the light at the end, you're, you're able to press along the path. You're removing some of the threat from there, maybe. And then Electro is still there, standing there, holding the fort down for them. While anyway, it, it just feels, I've said this about a lot of the scenarios in the box. It feels very, very thematic for me. Um, the uh, that, the shuffling doesn't even bother me. We shuffle them like go fish style, and we like to imagine in the art. It's like Gwen and Miles in this like warehouse building with a bunch of like I beams above them. So we like to imagine the villains are like in these beams walking around, and we have someone grab a random one from the go fish yeah. pile. It's super nice. Fun. <laughs> so yeah, it's a. Uh, I like it. I like. I, I like the way that they did the <clears throat> expert mode on those treacheries and, and the, the side scheme, or I guess it's on the main scheme. Um, and how the, how it's a different win condition, how there's multiple villains. I, I like everything about the scenario. Yeah, I do. I do too. I feel bad. Cause I, I disliked the other two multi-villain scenarios with tower defense. Yeah. I liked how you could kind of like see what was coming up and plan two turns ahead, but it, it made it, to me, not very exciting. And then random spikes would happen where like you just take auto damage to your loss condition, and that was no fun. But here, you've got these randomized villains, and then when a new one comes out, it's a random one. So sometimes you'll defeat Vulture and be like, yes, we got rid of that jerk. And then he immediately comes back and swipes at the next person, and you're like, oh, that there's such fun storytelling at the table with it. Um, especially if one villain is particularly bad for one player, and somehow... The activation counter keeps ending up on them because you defended a little bit too well and it didn't move when you needed it to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did like Wrecking Crew, how there was some like boost effects that could move who the active villain was. But once you defeated a villain, they were like gone. So you could just remove the best threat right away. But if you're a team where like you really can't handle Electro milling you or Vulture discarding from hand, um, defeating them doesn't remove them for the rest of the game. So that threat and that like decision point becomes a lot different. Like maybe you say, okay, I'm going to leave Vulture out because I'm three villain activation turns away and I can not worry about him popping out and getting the counter from ambush. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of gamery there that I like. Um, some of the hints for the scenario that I would give are the villain counter only moves either from a card effect when Ambush comes out or when a villain attacks and damages you. So Scorpion has zero scheme. So if you can get that activation counter on Scorpion at the end of a villain phase, your entire team can flip down and he schemes for zero plus a boost card, which is usually not too bad. And you can take like a breather turn for everybody to set up and draw to their full hand size. And then you can come back as a team and, and really take it to them. And even in solo, right, it, if you get the threat down to zero on a eight per player scheme, it's going up by one plus whatever the average boost value is. Um, that's not not terrible, I think. Um, but at the same time, you got to be careful because there's that partnership in pain three of treachery where the villain with the lowest scheme activation will scheme. Um, so that could make someone scheme sort of out of turn to, to add a little bit of randomness to it. So I, I love this scenario. This is it probably edges out Mysterio and it's up there with Sandman for me right now. Nice. Just yeah. reading the cards, I I want to go play it, but it's packed for Con of Heroes, so I have to wait. <laughs> I think my um my advice would be be very careful with the 
modular set you decide to put in there. I mean, you can't. I don't think you can go wrong with with uh, was it Guerrilla Tactics, the, the recommended mod. But if you're talking, uh, there's just some. You know, you have. Um, you just have some mods. I, I the one that comes to mind is um, the Symbiote one that came to mind when Symbiotic Strength. Oh, symbiotic that we talked strength. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just because you have those, you just oh no, never mind. Patrol is just the main scheme. Uh, yeah, what's the one swinging assault that we talked about where you're in her? Yeah, you're, jumps you out of alter ego form. Yeah. So, um, and like that that came to mind when you were talking about your example with uh, Scorpion, mm -hmm. where everybody jumps down. He's like, "Well, that's the one I'm going to get. He's going to attack me now." And not, and really, I'm kind of hosed. Uh, maybe I'm going to get stunned. Which kind of puts us back a turn. That's part of the game, right? But just, just be aware of how they interact with, uh, you know, how those like side schemes may come into play with different mods that you're playing with. Totally. Well, that's the Sinister Six. Should <clears throat> we should we move on to Venom Goblin? Yeah. What what? So you said you put it up there. Possibly with oh, this uh, like, is this is an A plus for me. A plus. I, I like this scenario. Yeah, this is this is an A for me. Um, I'm continuing my trend of always liking the first villain, except not you, Ebony Ma. Um, but this one's this is a really good fourth villain. Very very good. Not yep. all fourth villains are Nebula. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I guess I like a lot of the fourth villains too because I like Tella, I like Zola, I like Sinister Six. And then there's that that oddball. <laughs> yep. Well, okay. let's go. Let's go to the last one, the last scenario in the box. Oh, and if you're playing in campaign mode, this is what I was going to say. You don't use that sinister assault modular in any of the scenarios as the recommended modular. But if you leave any villains alive at the end of the sinister six, any ones that are left alive um, get recorded in the campaign log. And then you search the modular set for those minions recorded and shuffle each of those minions into the encounter deck during setup. Um, uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So they, they, do, they do come back to haunt you a little bit. We, we kind of demolished them, though, in our game. We made sure they were all dead. <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So Venom... So the fifth one is... Venom Goblin, last the last scenario. Um, he's your uh, typical type villain where he's got three stages. Um, so stage one, he's a 2-2, two, two, two scheme, two attack. He's got 16 hit points per player. Goblin and symbiote traits. Um, and steady, the steady keyword. So it's going to take two stuns or confuses to actually halt his activations or cancel the activations, I guess is the term they use, right? Um, yep. And then he has the force response called infest the city. After Venom Goblin activates against you, move the glider counter to the main scheme with the least threat. Choose to either place two threat on that scheme or resolve its special ability. So right now, if you don't know what, what his scenario looks like, you're thinking, what's going on? What's the goblin... Uh, what's the glider and there's multiple main schemes. Yeah. So there's a lower Manhattan, a midtown Manhattan 
in an upper Manhattan main scheme. Um, and they each start with, well, upper Manhattan starts with zero, midtown starts with two per player, and lower starts with one. They have a little bit different thresholds on them, and they all have um, a special ability on them, a different one. So lower Manhattan has a special place one threat on each scheme, and then it says if a symbiote environment is in play, place one additional threat on this scheme. Okay. Midtown says special take two indirect damage. If a symbiote environment is in play, take one additional indirect damage. And then the upper Manhattan is special. Discard one card from your hand. If a symbiote environment is in play, discard the top four cards of your deck. So just some some tricky things. Uh, some specials that can trigger, that will trigger on based on Venom Goblin um, activating against you. Um, which is going to happen because he's got steady, right? I mean, obviously that that was the design choice. I'm sure there um, to trigger those main scheme specials, which is why I, I I imagine why he has steady. I mean, if they wanted to make it ridiculous, they would have had to be stalwart, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, and then, and then if. I guess there's there is an environment called Skies Over New York. It's kind of like a, it, I mean, it's the, it's like the stage one A, sort of. It's the setup card, so it tells you to put Lower Midtown and Upper Manhattan's main schemes into play, and then place the Goblin Glider on Midtown. You flip it over, um, and then it has some rules clarifications, I guess, on the environment, um, because there's three main schemes, which I don't think we've ever seen before, right? Um, uh, yeah, like at, at, at the same time, um, it says player cards that affect the main scheme can apply to any main scheme. So player cards can affect any main can apply to any of the main schemes, and counter cards that affect the main scheme only apply to the scheme with the glider counter. So it still only targets one, um, one of the main schemes, and that says included including the placing of acceleration tokens. Um, I guess it's it's good to note that. During step one of the villain phase, where it gets the auto auto threat, all of them will get it, regardless of where the. Oh, it says that there on the last. Each main scheme accumulates threat each round according to its acceleration value, and any acceleration tokens on that scheme. So, you're still going to get it during stage one, but if there's ever uh like the villain, if Venom Goblin ever, um schemes, it's just going to be on the main scheme, um because those are encounter cards that are going to go to where the goblin or where the glider counter is. Um, it doesn't come with a, a glider counter. You said use an all-purpose one or something. Um, you can use the first player marker, I guess. I'm sure somebody will make a cool blinked out one. Yeah, it's going to happen if it hasn't already. Um, and those those main schemes are double-sided, um, but the opposite side, when they hit their threshold, become, spoilers, an environment card that is symbiote traded a location so i mean without going through them all um i'll just read the lower manhattan one so you get an idea but it says when revealed move the glider counter and each acceleration token from here to the main scheme with the least threat and that's a very common theme the main scheme with the least threat um and then in bold it says if there are at least two symbiote environments in play the players lose the game so there's three main schemes that all have a, a symbiote environment on the backside. 
Um, if you ever get two of them in play, it's another end game, another way that the villain can win. So uh, you really have to manage, from my experience, you really have to manage these schemes because they can get out of control very quickly and you can lose the game very quickly. Very quickly when you have all three main schemes on their main scheme side and not the environment side. I don't know if that's been your experience, um, but yeah, I really, been... I, I really like the idea of the multiple main schemes and the having to juggle that. It gives um, sometimes in multiplayer justice runs into this problem where they don't have things to thwart because everybody's hero kit has a little bit of thwart and maybe I have to use my cable arrow and now all of a sudden the justice player is like, cool, I have a handful of six threat removal right. and there's no threat. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a problem here. Um, there's always, there, there's like, always going to be a target for sure. Yeah, so Venom Goblin completes his activation and then it says move the glider counter to the main scheme with the least threat. Um so let's, after let's, Venom Goblin activates against Yeah, him, so let's right? talk about the timing, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is on this. I think this is the same on all the stages, right? A- after he activates um, against you. Yeah, it's yep. the same timing. It's a force response after he activates against you. So so when is the, when does this happen? So this happens after the complete activation. So if he's scheming, it would be after the scheme and after all the threat is placed. If he's attacking you, it's after he attacks and damages you. Um. It's after that complete activation step. Yep. And then you move the counter to the main scheme with the least threat. So a question I have, and I'm not really sure on the answer to it, is if he's at the place with the least threat, I'm instructed to move it, but I don't have to actually move the counter. Do you still resolve that special ability? Um, Well, there's a well, maybe this doesn't answer your question, but there's a, a question in the in the rulebook that says multiple main schemes have the same amount of threat, which scheme is considered to have the least or most threat on it. Um, if there are multiple multiple eligible targets, the first player selects among the eligible options. A year, I guess that doesn't answer your question, because your question is, what if... Yeah, what if I choose to not, not move it? Does it still count as moving, and do I have to resolve that last sentence? We've played it as if you have to. Um, which maybe we've what been is, extra hard on ourselves. It? it says, move the glider counter to the main scheme with the least threat. Uh, I mean, it doesn't say the other main scheme with the least threat. It doesn't. That'd be a weird wording, but that would make more. That would be clearer. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, then it doesn't have to move, right? You can just leave it on one spot. I think the intent is to. Is to not let it. You're saying if you don't move it, it fizzles, and you don't you don't trigger the special ability on the card. Hold on, hold the phone. I'm asking Discord. <laughs> real time, real time. Um, while you're doing that, I'll 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 go through each of the other two stages really quick. So his stage two gets a two scheme three attack, so it goes up one attack. He has steady again and toughness, and then he has a win revealed effect deal two face down encounter cards to each player. So if you're playing on expert uh, and 18 hit points per player, if you're playing on expert, you're going to get two face down encounter cards. Um, if, if obviously it's very much like uh, green goblin, the green goblin scenario, um, the mutagen formula scenario. Um, and then stage three, he has a three scheme, three attack. 
retaliate one stalwart and toughness. So he's gaining a new keyword. Um, and then this one revealed deal three face down encounter cards to each player. So you better be prepared um, when you defeat stage two for the all the extra encounter cards because some of them are not fun to get in front of you. That's <laughs> I'll say that. And let's go through them um, while we're waiting on real time. Uh, the answer to your question. Um, okay. Um, there's a let's let's just start with the minions because those are. Yeah, let's do that. Let's start with the minions. How about that? Um, you have a couple, a few different types of minions. You have the symbiotic thrall, um, which is a one attack or one scheme, two attack, four hit points symbiote with guard. And while symbiote, while a symbiote environment is in play, symbiotic thrall gains patrol. So, I mean, nothing crazy. I don't think we've seen this kind of stuff before. I like the, actually like the ability on it. So it kind of scales. It's it gets harder generally in the later game because you're gonna you may have a symbiote environment in play. So he now gets patrol. So you got I deal. feel the opposite way about this card. So okay. what I don't like about this card is if you're already losing, it gets harder. So it feels like it's a card that snowballs on you a little bit, right? If your team makes one little mistake and all of a sudden you get a symbiote symbiote environment the rest of the scenario becomes that much harder to claw back from. And with some of the casual groups I play with, that really encourages us to be like, well, let's scoop and start over. We don't want to have any of those symbiote environments, um, which I I get that's like that is very thematic for it, right? Now there's like a part of the city that's infested, so all the symbiotes get stronger. Um, but as a player... I do agree that the villains need a way to be stronger later in the game instead of at the beginning of the game. And this is one way to do that. But here it's like the villains get stronger later in the game if you're already losing. And that's when they don't need to get stronger, right? That's when they need to like pump the brakes a little bit. So to me, cards that get worse when you're already losing, I mean, in a competitive game, I would call that like a win more card for one player. Um, but here, here it's just like a, a lose more card for the player that's losing, which which stinks. Yeah, I can see that. I think that four hit points on the minion isn't is is very very doable. It just makes it it just makes it a more pressing minion, I think, for me. Um, and this is probably the only good thing I'll say about. Uh, no, that yeah, maybe this might be the only. Yeah, so it makes it a more pressing minion, which I I like. Um, because it's just a one, it's a one, two, which is like kind of standard with four. You're not going to attack him. You're not going to attack Venom Goblin when it's out because you can't. And then if there's, I I get what you're saying with the environment, but now it's patrol. So now you're like, well, I'm going to take care of that minion so I can thwart the, the, the main schemes. Um, or, or it helps with, um, a lot more with, I, I feel like it. Um, like if I'm the aggression player and you're the justice player and you get this symbiotic thrall, I'm going to take that, that minion out for you so that you can go thwart the main scheme. It, it, it encourages like across the table interaction. I feel like because it does a little bit, I can see that there's some of that, um, 
kind of like fear is like with sequencing and stuff like that that can be a really big feel bad if the justice That's player is fair. player one and this comes out and i'm a person that uses my base attack now i can't kill the minion and we're stuck not being able to thwart and then i can punch a minion but well, it might be too late or things like but, that right? but but your but your aggression player that's player two can play possibly play off turn actions with the they card. could play events and off turn actions it's true so, so off turn actions maybe you get a little bit stronger um but anyway so there's that's the symbiotic thrall right you have the symbiotic berserker which is a zero scheme three attack five hit points and then there's a there's a, an icon on the attack a star icon when while a symbiote environment is in play it gains quick strike so there you go it's the same type of thing right where um once you're losing you're going to get hit for three so you you know i think what they're maybe the design standpoint was look you already lost one of the sections of the city of manhattan now there's a sense of urgency because these these minions are are more powerful so so go take care of venom goblin because you're gonna lose if you don't like it it pushes you to maybe play um more aggressively than than conservatively yeah if only one of them didn't have guard I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and then the last one is this, is I think it's the only only one copy. It's symbiotic monstrosity. This seriously sounds like it could be a Magic the Gathering card. Is what it sounds like. Um, two scheme, two attack, six uh, hit points. Um, but it has a star on the hit points, and it has retaliate one, steady, and toughness. And then the star ability is while a symbiote environment is in play. It, the symbiotic monstrosity gets plus three hit points. So it becomes a nine hit point. Oh, and it has three boost icons and a boost ability. And if the boost ability is if this activation is an attack, the attack deals indirect damage. Yeah, all seven of those minions have boost abilities. The other six all place threat somewhere, <laughs> depending on if it's at the place with the glider or moving the glider and somewhere else. And uh, the monstrosity is that indirect damage monstrosity. Um, overall, I really like these minions. Um, I don't like them once you get an environment in play, which I think is the design intent. I think it's a little bit of a bummer to me because since you can only have two of those symbiote environments before you lose, once you've lost one of them, that's like half of your loss condition. Um, and then all of a sudden it becomes immensely harder and more important for you to remove threat and now there's minions that come out that are stronger so you spend up spend a ton of time like spinning your wheels just like i remember watching the team covenant stream and some of the other streams and even in some of my games once we had one symbiote environment in play we'd spend multiple turns just like treading water as we tried to like get a footing um which can be fun but when it makes your game too long and then it becomes not so much fun um and I, I do think, so So one point to the design of this is that if this didn't occur on any of the cards and the cards didn't get stronger as an environment came into play, you could totally play a game where you say, I'm going to ignore one of those side schemes because I don't like its ability and I never want the Goblin Glider to move there and have to resolve it. So in a four-player game, right, these schemes are like 10 per player, 11 per player. 44 threats, a lot of threat. So you can ignore one of them for you know several turns until it flips into an environment, 
and there's no negative penalty for that. And you can just keep the other two really low. And that would be kind of gaming the system. So by doing this, they remove the ability for you to say, oh, it's okay if one of them pops. Because once one of them pops, it becomes a lot harder. Um, so I think that maybe that's where the design factor came from. Um, but a, a unfortunate side effect of that is if you're losing, you start losing real bad. And that's uh, that's the things that remind me of Rodan and Nebula. When like <laughs> when you start losing, you you don't see that light at the end like you do in the Sinister Six. You just see darkness and see deep black. dark space. You see them. Yeah. yeah. So. So this side scheme, I want to talk to you about the side scheme, Festering yeah, Mass. Yeah. It says, and so it has a five, just a flat five threat. Um, and then it says, while there are no other symbiote environments in play, this card is considered a symbiote environment, and it has a hazard icon. Get it out of here. Yep. So, so this, um, actually, when I first played this scenario, I got this, and I was like, well, what does that do? Before I had flipped over any of the main schemes. And so I was like, okay. And then I got some some minions. Like I said, I when I play it, I don't really want to know what the text does. So when I got it, I was like, oh, crap. Now this, <laughs> uh, you know, now this symbiotic berserker has quick strike on me uh, because I didn't take care of this festering mass. Um, but it's it's almost like a preparation for half your lose condition right because you can get rid of it it only triggers i mean it doesn't it's not an auto lose card right because it specifically says while there is no other symbiote while there are no other symbiote environments in play this card is considered a symbiote environment if it was a symbiote environment that would be a really poor decision and design um because you could just pull it and then lose the game automatically um i yeah, just so here, here's one where once a symbiote environment flips this card actually becomes weaker right because right. it's just an acceleration token you can just uh -huh. leave it there right um but yeah like uh yeah yeah i, I mean i i thought i actually did think that this festering mass was clever with the main schemes and the in the environment the symbiote environments along with the means i thought that this not that i don't i don't think it was ne necessarily a required side scheme in the game. I just thought it was very cleverly designed in conjunction with those other cards, which is really nice to see that you have some cohesiveness. If that's a word, I don't know if that's yep. a word. Um, I think it with, is. with those eight other cards or 10 other cards or whatever it is. Um, why don't you go ahead and talk about the other cards in <laughs> Well, I wanted to talk about Venom Goblin and the three schemes a little bit more. Oh yeah. Really okay. Quick. Okay. So, Venom Goblin, um, and I did get confirmation from Discord that even if you don't move the token, you still have to resolve the special okay. that it's sitting okay. on. So you um, would, if if the if where the Goblin or where the Glider token is is the lowest, it would still it just doesn't move. It just you you still resolve the, the rest special. of the card. Okay. So the I think you read the three schemes, right? So there's a special on each of these schemes. Um, one of them places threat, and if you've already had one of those environments in play, it places additional threat, so it becomes extra bad. One of them does indirect damage, and it does extra indirect damage. One of them discards a card from your hand, um, and also mills your deck if there was a symbiote environment in play. And then Venom Goblin, how those specials get triggered is after he activates, you move the glider counter to the main scheme with the least threat, and in stage one, you choose to either place two threat on a scheme or resolve the ability. 
In stage two, you just have to resolve the ability. And then stage three, you place a threat and resolve the ability. So like the the ramping up definitely becomes worse. That forces you go on ramp. Yeah. in Venom Goblin. And I know you read the when revealed for the stage two was deal two encounter cards to each player, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Stage three, just like Mutagen Formula, is deal three to each player. And that is brutal as well. <laughs> um, so I thought I would at least point that out. He also goes to stalwart there instead of yeah. steady. So um, just main gimmick for Venom Goblin, just like we said back in the day from Mutagen Formula. If you're getting ready to flip to that stage where he's going to deal everybody three encounter cards, see how much damage your team can save up. And if you can get rid of him in one round, especially in solo, right? He's got 21 hit points plus toughness in that stage three. There's a lot of decks that in their final form can do 21 points of damage. So it's going to be hard against Venom Goblin because he's got Stalwart and Retaliate. Um, but if you can flip him, deal yourself those cards, and then get your 21 through, like Star-Lord loves it, right? Deal me those three encounter cards, and I will sliding shot all day. So yeah, the other stuff that comes with this scenario, you asked me to read through some of yeah. them. So you're going to use Symbiotic Strength again. We already talked about how much that encounter set is fun. And then one other modular encounter set that's not required, so a random one, or, or could be a random one, is Goblin Gear. And this encounter set, I, I feel like the designers heard everybody make fun of Goblin gimmicks back in the day as being too easy. And they were like, oh yeah? Wait, we see this. I remember, so. I remember on the show when I said Goblin gimmicks was my favorite modular set, and you guys made fun of me. And I was like, guys, I think it's fun. It is fun, but it's a little it, easy, right? It, it, that's fine. I like easy. <laughs> well, I bet you like Goblin Glider. Give the guy plus one, plus one, and or plus one attack, and you can remove it with some lightning bolts. How about an advanced glider? It doesn't even give the villain plus attack and plus scheme, but it does attach to the villain. Force response. After attached villain activates against you, it activates again. Luckily, they were graceful and said limit once per round per player. So if this comes out and you don't get rid of it in a round, the villain's going to activate eight times before you deal encounter cards in a four-player game. Sounds fair. That sounds, sounds fun. really fun. <laughs> so as a hero action, you could discard any number of attack cards from your hand with a combined resource cost of three or more. So most attack events cost two or more, so it shouldn't be too hard to get rid of it. But it is very draw-dependent, right? People usually don't shove... 15 attack events in their deck and you might want to literally just because of this card um miss marvel loves it, it. Impacts your life miss marvel loves this card because she can i don't take know if she it. does because she doesn't get them back oh yeah that's true but she has a lot of attack events in her in her deck probably maybe if miss marvel aggression right yeah yeah i guess i guess it just depends i don't know because i don't play miss marvel well the fun doesn't end there we also have concussive concussive bombs a plus one attack attachment attached to the villain with two uses. After the villain attacks, you remove one bomb counter from here, exhaust one upgrade and one support you control. So this one doesn't bother me as much. I mean, it is a plus one and it has two boost icons, um, but it is annoying to have your upgrades and supports exhausted. There are a lot of upgrades and supports that don't care if they're exhausted. Um, so feel free to exhaust those all day long, like honorary Avenger and team training or whatever. We get incendiary bombs attached to the villain. Two bomb counters again. Uses. 
After the Vill attacks you, remove one bomb counter from here, take two indirect damage. So this is just like pumpkin bombs, but kind of has two uses and gives plus attack. Um, we've got smoke bombs, same old stuff, plus one attack, but you're going to discard one event card from your hand with the lowest cost. So if he gets this and he gets the advanced glider out, now he's also like discarding your attack events, potentially really setting you back horribly. Um, and then here's a card you're going to love. I don't know if you ran into this card yet. Limitless Supply. When you hear the word limitless, that makes you think you're going to get extra of something. Each tech attachment gains Surge. I love this card so much. I d no, I, I actually don't, I don't love this card at all. No, I think it's a horrible card. I'll read the last card, and then I will tell you a story about that card. And then there's remote navigation. When revealed, if advanced glider, that real horrible one we talked about, is not in play, the villain activates search it. For it. If it is in play, the villain activates against you. If it's not in play, search for it, <laughs> reveal it, and then yes. your life sucks. Um, yes. So there's really two copies of it. So there's two copies of it. One is cancelable with the treachery. It could also gain surge, which seems fun and fair. Um and that mod set is just insane. I've seen a lot of people on Discord say Venom Goblin can become a lot of fun if you just use Goblin gimmicks instead of the Goblin gear set. And uh -huh. I would agree with them. I think a lot of what makes Venom Goblin unsustainable is that Advanced Goblin shenanigans. Advanced gear shenanigans. Um, They're horrible. Yeah. So... The other thing I want to talk about is how this works in the campaign. And in expert campaign, I am usually an expert mode player. I play a lot of expert mode. And I don't mind having to go down to standard mode because the villain is too hard. But I just want to give people a picture of how horrible Venom Goblin can be. Not horrible. How oppressive. How terrifying. Venom Goblin can be. I mean, it's terrifying looking art to start with. How much of so, a hole you can start in? Yeah, if you start in expert mode, you're going to do his when revealed to deal each player two face down encounter cards. Um, you're also going to get your regular encounter card for the round. So just like Mutagen Formula, you're starting out with three. But unlike Mutagen Formula, a lot of his cards aren't duds. They're all real strong cards. <laughs> so don't let that fool you. Um, on top of that, if you've fulfilled the entire reputation track, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, basically the reputation track gives the players some rewards for doing good deeds in the city, like shield rewards you and citizens reward you. But then as you build too much good reputation, the villains are like, those spider folks are annoying, so I'm going to throw extra bad things at them. Um, fulfilling the reputation track, you get this symbiote spider suit that we talked about Um as our spoiler for this box. And it basically gives you plus 10 hit points and one to all your stats and plus one hand size, but it gives you a permanent hazard symbol. So if your team won that, you're now starting with four encounter cards per player. And the villain side of that reputation track for you earning that symbiote suit is the villain starts by dealing everybody one extra encounter card. So in expert four player, if you've completed the reputation track, you're starting with 20 face-down encounter cards at the end of the first round. Is your table big enough for that? That's my question. I mean, like, let's be real here. There's... <laughs> That's a scoop. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There's only 12 cards in Venom Goblin's set. 
plus the the symbiote stuff and the six from goblin gear. So like you're you're literally dealing more than half of the deck to yourself pretty much to start the game. And I've had so many games just like fall apart in that first round that I've I just don't enjoy expert mode for Venom Goblin, especially with the advanced goblin gear. So let me paint a picture of the five encounter cards I got once. And this was me as the first player, and it was a two-player game, and the second player still had to go, but we decided to scoop. Because my first encounter card was Limitless Supply. So a hazard icon comes out, and all the tech upgrades gain Surge. I then got an Advanced Glider, which surged, so I'm still sitting at four encounter you should, cards left. You should have shuffled better. I, You know <laughs> what? I blame the other player who did not shuffle well enough. We, we ended up getting two assaults and one of the symbiotic ones that attack. So I have three attacks come at me, and the advanced glider makes it one extra attack. So at the end of that, I had four attacks to the face in that villain phase. And I actually had two allies on the board for the first two, and then I defended, and then the fourth one hit me, and I was just like, well, the other player can defend for me, but they also have five face-down encounter cards, so they probably need to potentially defend for themselves. Um, I think we actually did have them defend for me and then they flipped enough things that it killed them. And that's what we decided to scoop. Um, but I just, the RNG of that, and we didn't even include, I, I know you mentioned it briefly potentially, but there's an attachment in Venom Goblins kit. We are one. I didn't read it. I wanted to read it before. Oh, well, here you, you go for this. it now. Yeah. Before I went into my tirade. No, no, no. Like before, before we talked about, <laughs> no, this, I, I was going to ask, did you get this? Did you get this attachment in that scenario? Because this attachment's horrible. I think the um, second player may have gotten it. So we lucked out, actually. Our shuffling was good, and that's what happened. Um, this is an attachment. We are one. Attached to Venom Goblin. Uh, it has a plus three scheme and plus three attack. It has three boost icons on it. And it, it has a hero action on the card. Spend a, an energy, a mental, and fist printed resources. Arrow. Discard this card. That sucks. <laughs> that is That's horrible. So what does that even mean? Spend those printed resources. So we don't actually know. There's a big okay. argument all over the community. How I've interpreted this as printed resources are the things printed on your card. So if you have resource generators on the board, like Super Soldier Serum for Cap, I mean, I guess the physical symbol is technically printed into the text box of that card but to me that's not a printed resource so this means you have to discard those three resources from hand and you can't even use any wilds to help you out because they right. have to be printed energy mental physical i mean black panther hates this card because he's typically or generally really good at discarding the the uh, villain attachments, right? Oh, I think Which, just about everybody hates this card. I mean, right? a lot of times when you have those three icons you have to match, um, a lot of decks favor one resource type or maybe two resource types, so they struggle to get all three. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, with five card hand sizes, even with Hulk. like evenly distributed resource types, like you don't have necessarily the best odds in the world of getting Hulk will never get rid of this. Yeah, Hulk will never get rid of this. 
Um, and it's just brutal. Yeah, so we didn't even have that in our big chain of things. But like, I had four attacks. I could have had three attacks and had this at the beginning. So the villain would be attacking me for... What is Venom three, Goblin? Three. Plus He's a two-three, three, so he would have started attacking me for sixes, and he would have moved the goblin count quieter after each of those, and resolved a special ability. <laughs> and some of those are indirect and stuff, yeah. And some of those are indirect damage, so it's just it's bonkers. Um, so my suggestion is just play in standard mode, honestly, or swap out the goblin gear set for something a lot more reasonable, because it at least. There's some problem cards in it for him in this starting setup thing. My advice is don't play against Venom Goblin with Venom. Oh yeah, that's a bad one. Um, I did get Shadow of the Past and I got a permanent hazard icon from Venom's side Nemesis side scheme because you can't remove threat from that scheme if there's a symbiote enemy in play. Well, that was dumb of me. I learned my lesson. I'm telling you guys to don't do it, not do it because Venom Goblin, if he's not hard enough, don't make him harder. Don't don't feel like you need to make him harder by having a permanent hazard icon on a side scheme that you can't get rid of because Venom Goblin has the symbiote trait. Yeah. Honestly, th- there are some good tips and tricks for this scenario. You do get to decide where that goblin counter counter is going to an extent. So if you're a team that can handle a lot of threat, make sure Lower Manhattan is the lowest threat so that the Gwydir just sits there. But remember, in a four-player game, you're going to trigger that four times. So that's going to be four threat on each scheme after his four activations, which is a lot of threat to remove. Or if you're a team that has like really beefy allies, maybe you leave it at Midtown Manhattan because... Hulk and people like that can absorb all that indirect damage as allies. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you have a lot of card draw, or if you're you know a protection player and you can spend your whole hand before the villain finishes their activation, then his yeah. special ability doesn't matter as much for Upper Manhattan. So really think about where you want that glider to be. That being said, there's a lot of boost abilities and treachery cards that move that glider on you just to be annoying. So you are going to have to deal with the other abilities from time to time. Um, overall, I really like at least one thing about this scenario. I really liked mutagen formula back in the day and I still do. And I thought it was really neat how this scenario like foils mutagen formula, right? It's got a lot of minions that swarm the board. Mutagen formula had a goblin thrall that was a guard minion. And here we have a symbiotic thrall. So you feel like that thrall just got enveloped in a, in a symbiote which is pretty cool. Um, the rest of the card doesn't match at all. You've got the whole thing with after he attacks and well, the old one was after Green Goblin attacked and damaged you, something happened. But here it's um, after he activates, he's going to move the glider counter and do something. And you've got like the extra encounter cards on stage two and three to mirror mutagen formula. So I thought that was like really, really cool. Um, and I went into this scenario blind and what I was really expecting was for them to take like the mutagen formula scenario and the venom scenario that we just raved about and all loved and like mash them together and make this like cool blending of elements where you felt like you had like the extra boost card mechanics from venom or something or like, I mean, 
in theory, Venom Goblin would also be weak to like the Bell Tower or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the Venom side of it just fell really flat to me. Like it's it's weird because literally every card in the set is painted with the symbiote trait. But I never felt like I was fighting something that felt like that Venom character. I just felt like I was fighting a stronger mutagen formula. Yep. Which to me, that was the part that fell short. I thought that uh I thought we had this really cool merging, and you can kind of see it, right? Because I think symbiotic strength was required in Venom, and now it's required in Venom Goblin. So you get that mod set that's in both. Um, but that mod set didn't make it feel like Venom to me. It was Venom's Vengeance. I think it was, I can't even remember if it was called Vengeance or what his ability was called. They, they all have these funny names, and then I never remember them. It was Vengeance. Vengeance. Yeah. I feel good. Um, you had Venom's Vengeance ability and then his Retribution ability. So, like, if, I mean, they didn't need to make this scenario harder, so don't get me wrong. But I didn't feel like I got that Venom half of the scenario. I felt like I just got a really stronger green goblin half of the scenario um so that was my my main thought on the theming there no i and i I agree with you and i think it's it's even more overshadowed or contrasted because of the theme that we get from the other four scenarios in the box like the, the theme is there in my opinion for the other four scenarios um even even I think even with Mysterio, the one that I was I was I was warm on lukewarm on, I think the theme was there. Um, this one I you know even I mean you got the symbiote environments and stuff, but it I, right, I agree if, if this had been called the Green Goblin Strikes Again and you just revealed Goblin environments instead of Ven- instead of symbiote environments, it wouldn't right. have felt any different to me. Yep. Um, and that was a bit of a bummer. It would have been really cool if this scenario was kind of more of a storytelling one, like Collector 2 was and like the Sinister 6 was. And maybe you fight like Green Goblin first. And then when you defeat him, a new side scheme comes out that merges him with Venom and he gains Venom's Vengeance ability for the second half of the scenario. Because then you would have really felt like you had those two halves connecting. Um, and I mean... He is a deserving and difficult villain at the end of a box. And I've I've played him several times, and I don't think he is a Nebula, Ronin-level annoyance to me. I will still play Venom Goblin mostly in standard, because I don't like the combo-driven ridiculousness of all the encounter cards at the beginning of Expert. Um, but that, that Expert... That expert yeah. I think on standard, this scenario can be really fun, even with the goblin gear there. But on standard, it's probably really fun for an expert player. <laughs> and uh, on expert, it's really fun for nobody. Um, uh, and there's not like a fun sweet spot for standard players, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, it feels a little Galaxy's Most Wanted-like in that in that fashion. Yeah, I I would give this this scenario for me as a D-. Whoa, okay, you're lower than me. Yeah. Um and uh I it's it's it is it's an oppressive scenario and I'm fi- I I get that. Um and I'm fine with having four scenarios that I or th- three that I really like in the box. One that I'm lukewarm on and then one that I just, I actively dislike it. Most things about it. Um mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because I still have three 
really fun scenarios for me in the box. So yeah, I give this one probably a C. Um, I have a pretty easy fix to make it more reasonable. Like if this, if this scenario, if you're an expert player, you play in standard and just play against Venom Goblin one and two. Um, that probably becomes an A for an expert player. And if you're a standard player, play against Venom Goblin 1 and 2, but make your loss condition three symbiote environments. So you get to burn through three side schemes or three main schemes, and you have like a much more generous loss condition. It's still going to be a tough battle, but it's a probably a lot more reasonable battle for, for people that play standard a lot. Uh, my standard groups have liked that homebrew variant that we did. Um, basically we lose and we're like well let's see if we can win before the third one goes off and usually like we can squeak it in there with those groups yeah um and if you're a heroic player then go for two and three and enjoy it and i commend you on your victories but i am not that level of heroic player in my life right now yeah and that doesn't sound fun to me but it's if it's fun for you go for it yeah so i think if like if there had been just a small adjustment to the difficulty like that it could be a really fun multiplayer scenario. Um, but as so, it is, it's just, it's, it's tweaked a little bit. It's notched up a little bit too hard on a difficulty level, I think. Um, and they do need a variety of difficulty levels. So don't get me wrong, but ultimately my C is a combination of the difficulty level and the venom half of venom goblin theme, just falling short for me. It's just painted on all the cards. It feels like, um, and I really liked the Venom scenario, so I was totally expecting them to nail this when I saw the mutagen formula effect on the villain when we flipped him, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And then I just kept seeing more mutagen formula cards repainted, and I was just like, where's the Venom? Where's the Venom? Yeah. So so now I, I, I we don't want to – we've gone pretty long, but we want to talk about – Oh, yeah. The, sorry. We, we want to talk about the campaign. Yeah, let's Linda. get to the campaign. Um, we've, and we've we've talked about a well, we've talked about like the uh, we haven't really talked about the campaign. I guess they're the shield tech cards and things like that. Those are the only ones, right? We haven't talked. We talked a little bit about the campaign cards last time. Yes. Um, and then. And we, we mentioned it briefly here today, too. So the campaign has this reputation track, and each campaign box is a little bit different for Marvel. Mm -hmm. And in this one, as you do good things, there's different conditions you have to meet to earn reputation points. Some of those are victory points. Some are doing things like having no minions in play at the end of the game. And you gain reputation with S.H.I.E.L.D. and the civilians around the Marvel Universe. And you get different benefits for that. S.H.I.E.L.D. will give you technology, one of the benefits way later on is you get a helicarrier to start in play, which is really cool. Um, you get to grab an out-of-aspect card and add it to your deck in future scenarios for one of them. So really cool abilities. And then as the villains see you getting stronger, when they start to, like, I don't know, enlist their minions, they decide those spider people are, you know, they're upping their game, so we're going to up our game too. And they put harder minions at your face or other difficult things. Like, they start with extra threats. They gain Osborne technology. They uh, start with minions or side schemes in play. Um, and there's a bunch of really great rewards. And I think we, well, yeah. So, so what do you think about the reputation track? Did you I, like I it? Think, you yeah, like I think it? it's, I think it's the best um, way they've done a campaign so far. Agree. hundred um, percent. 
I, I really do like that you're getting a benefit. It, it's, it's ramping you up, but it's also ramping the villain up at the same time. Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't always feel like equal levels, um, but it's not like you're punished for losing. Correct. Like you're throwing I, crap in that that now you you know what I mean. You're bet you you are you get a benefit for winning, but the villain gets a benefit and. And I, it's no I think, longer snowballing in one of the characters' directions, which I think right. is really good. Um, I wish there was a little bit more story to the reputation track. Like I'm talking about this, like getting reputation with civilians. That's all made up by me or like my mind as I read the reputation track. If each time you unlocked something, there was a little blurb that Nick Fury was like, "Hey, saw what you did to Sandman. That was awesome, kids. Have a shield glove." Um, I mean, it would be obviously better written than what I just made up on the spot, but. I would love a little bit more story in that reputation track. Um, but I think the reputation track is like a beautiful, cool way to prevent that snowball effect. It reminds me a lot of how Imperial Assault worked. And Imperial Assault was a little bit different by FFG. It's not a card game. It's a miniature game and all sorts of stuff. But in that game, you could kind of fail forward in a campaign. So if your team lost, you would get a better reward than the other team. Um, and you'd still go on to the next mission, but both teams would keep getting rewards and it would kind of try to auto-balance you to the point where the villain and you had equal power levels. And I feel like the reputation track was kind of trying to do that, um, where they were saying, as you get stronger, you're going to gain benefits, but the villain benefits are going to be a little bit stronger than the hero benefits. And that works pretty beautifully until you get to 25 reputation. Um, so for example, when you get to start, yeah, Yeah. when you get to start with a hello carrier in play, they get another Osborne tech. And when you get to start by picking one card to start in your hand, they get to start with a minion out per player. So you're going to have to pick something to solve that minion. So as you get better, it's kind of trying to make the villain stronger to counterbalance you. But then that last one is you may put a symbiote suit upgrade um, into play under your control, which is really cool. It's plus 10 hit points. It's the plus one to all your stats. It's plus one hand size. But that hazard symbol means like you're playing heroic mode now if everyone does it. And then what the villain gets for that is a first turn encounter card. And it swings from the villain being like slightly more powerful than what you had to being way more powerful. Yeah. Um, and. Part of the part of the problem, and this is like a minor problem, is the way setup works. Is it happens after you do all your hand size stuff. It um, comes into play after you do your mulligans and all that sort of stuff. So you don't get to draw an extra card from that hand size when you're doing your mulligans, which would let you dig even further into your deck and do all sorts of good things. But even that, I don't think you would offset the reward the villain gets of that extra encounter card plus the hazard symbol on your symbiote suit. Um, which is a bit of a bummer, right? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want the game to be super easy because I got 25 reputation. But to me, when our group plays now, we aim for 24 reputation because we're like, we want to get all those cool rewards, but we're not getting the last one because it sucks okay. too bad. Um, but but now you have a symbiote suit that you can play in regular games. It is true. I do like that. I think the symbiote suit and Venom, who comes in as an ally throughout the campaign, both of them are usable in regular decks, which is really cool. That was that was a neat thing to do. I hope they continue that in the future because sometimes those campaign cards, like I don't think I've ever used an obligation 
from the Red Skull box, and that was 16 cards. They could have given me three more mods instead, right? Yep. Um, so that is cool. But I don't know. I'm a little bit sour on the campaign. I do think it's the best campaign they can have, but I just... It's really a bummer when you get punished for doing well and it's not like it's not a feels good punish like oh i gained a helicarrier and they gained this other thing it's oh i gained a thing that has a punishment with it to counterbalance it and i got an extra punishment <laughs> like that doesn't feel great um and that's my main my main gripe with the campaign i guess yeah I, for me so i i play through the campaign so I can talk about it, um, and it's you know when we when we talk about it on the on the podcast. Um, but unless someone specifically requests to do the campaign, I don't ever play the campaigns again. That's just me, um, and I don't know that I would ever choose to play this campaign again. Even even though I think it's the best one that they've done, I I, I just prefer to play them like pick a villain and pick some odds and just go. I'm sort of the same way. So when I'm playing on my own or when I'm playing with my wife in a two player game, we pretty much just play standalone scenarios, but my, my casual group of three and my like hardcore group of four, they like love to do campaigns. Like they live for the campaign mode. Um, and with the casual group, I mean, with both groups, it worked out super well until venom goblin yeah. and part yeah, of that was probably because with both those groups we ended up getting the symbiote suit and getting the venom goblin one of them an expert so we had that horrible 20 card experience um, i guess i guess i should say i would play it if somebody requested it i just i'm not going to actively i mean I, the whole thing that i pitch to people is like hey you want to play against the sinister six like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, Can I be Spider-Man? Like that, and then you say, "Well, first we have to play through Sandman, <laughs> and then Venom, and then Mysterio, and we have to win all three, and then we can play against the Sinister." Yeah, that's what you tell them, right? <laughs> that's exactly what I don't tell them. All right. Well, we should we should grade the box overall before we go on for too many hours. Adam okay. never made it, so we're gonna make him and Crimson record their own episode, and people yeah. can tell us which one they liked better. Dude, let's do it. I oh, like for that. ours. If you listen to this, oh for ours. Oh man. All right. So I'll. I guess I'll go first. Um, this box. Oh man. Yeah. So I, give it a grade, and then tell me where it ranks among the four boxes. Rank so the four boxes from I, whatever to Galaxy's Most Wanted. Right. Um. I. <laughs> I will I will give this box an A because Whoa. because I think it's the best the best um campaign. You get a couple of, you know, you get the Venom ally and the the symbiote suits to add in and that they're part of the campaign rewards, but the campaign rewards I think was the coolest way they've done it so far. Um you we've talked about about that ad nauseum. I don't know that it's I, I think that they can still improve on it, right? But I think so far it's the best. And it gave me th three scenarios that I love. Um, and it gave me Miles and Ghost Spider, um, which I'm I'm really digging. Uh, Ghost Spider, I will say, is, and I wasn't here for that episode, but she's probably my favorite protection hero now. 
hands down. Um, maybe Drax. I don't know. Maybe maybe Drax, but Ghost Spider is like I think she's edged him out, right? Because um, it, her ability just shines with protection, in my opinion. Um, but I, I mean, it, it it enables it's a, it's an enabling um ability it's an for enabler. protection. Yeah. Yes. You protection yeah. players and your your needs. <laughs> <laughs> um so so I think that it edges I think it's my favorite box overall. I think for those reasons and I and I think it does beat um cuz I I had ranked them before what did I have them at? Um I think you had MTS Red Skull and then Galaxy's Most Wanted. Maybe not. Yes, no, that's really right. That, like no, Monkey, that is so. that <laughs> no, I did have it. I did have that first because Hella was in there, and that's mm-hmm. my favorite scenario. Uh, it edged out Rise of Red Skull. Is um, Hella I, still your favorite scenario? Um, probably. But okay. these these three these three scenarios in this box are really good. Um, so I think that it's like this box, then Mad Titan Shadow, and then Rise of Red Skull, and then way down low is Galaxy's Most Wanted. All right, I give this box an A as well. Um, I think if I'm ranking it among the boxes, mods, best mods we've gotten. I mean, I loved Infinity Gauntlet. I liked some of the MTS mods. I like Space Pirates. Um, that box exists. I the Hydra mods were super bland in the first box. So like every mod, they felt very samey, right? You Goblin Gear, except you. I don't like you. Every other mod set in this box is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. super good in theme, varying levels of difficulty, varying levels of minion mixes versus side scheme mixes versus obligation mixes. So, really cool for mods. Number one box for mods. For villains, I feel bad for my boy Crossbones and my friend Red Skull, but this box wins for villains for me. I like four of the villains in this box. I think the first four villains are all among my top 10. Probably three of them are in my top five villains that I enjoy to play in Marvel. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's so, like, huge. That's huge. It's it's difficult for me to say anything bad about the villains, except for you, Venom Goblin. See, there's a goblin <laughs> thing here that I do not like, apparently. <laughs> um, but the the nastiness of Venom Goblin was not enough to offset the positive stuff of the other four villains. Um, I can't think of a box where I was able to say I liked four of the villains in this box like top notch. There was always like at least two where I was like, eh, or this one's not for me, but I could see it being cool. But here I'm like four of them. Like anybody asks me to play them, I'll immediately be ready to go. Um, So that's awesome. So wins on villains. Campaign, agree with what you said. This is the best campaign we've gotten. I liked the linearness of Red Skull's campaign and the ease of decision-making. That makes it very good for introductory players. Galaxy's Most Wanted exists. MTS's campaign um, didn't feel like... like, I know when it came out, we were all excited. um, And we thought like it felt a lot less linear than Rise of Red Skull. But at the end of the day, like you didn't really get a lot of choices. You could do a good thing or you could not do a good thing and have bad things happen. So you always took the good thing choice. Um, so the choices didn't feel as genuine as it is here, where here you might want to play that reputation game and decide how far to go in and 
how many victory points to leave on the table to get your win in, but not necessarily get all the rewards you want to get. So campaign, A, best campaign here. And then heroes. And, I mean, Hawkeye is in the Red Skull box. So it's really hard for me to say a box has better heroes than Red Skull. But Spider-Woman is in the Red Skull box. And here we get two spiders that I like better than Spider-Woman. So I'm going to give this box heroes as well. Because I think the heroes are just as strong as the God Among Men that is Hawkeye. Um, so we'll give them heroes as well. And this box gets first place for me. So for me, it's Sinister Motives, Rise of Red Skull, Mad Titan Shadow, and then a field trip to space as um, number four. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So almost the same order, but you're still wrong about Mad Titan Shadow. That's all I'm saying. That's fine. I can be wrong about it. You'll never take Hella from me. It's true. To Hella and back. All maybe right. maybe you will. I don't know. Maybe maybe the developers will come up with something that I'm just like, nope. Sorry, Hella. I'm well, we might just to... make this be a four-player episode because next week we're going to be at Con of Heroes. And if you haven't checked out the Con of Heroes website yet, you should check it out at conofheroes.com. Americano and I will be there. We'll be playing games. There's going to be events you can play through virtually on Facebook or on any of the Marvel Champions discords, basically. Um, so if you're available, May 20th through May 22nd, check out that conofheroes.com website or the main Marvel Champions LCG Facebook group. And I think it's called Marvel Champions LCG Community. There'll be a pin thread at the top of how you can play in some of these cool Marvel Champions events from home um, if you're unable to make it to the con. And what we'll do is we'll give Adderkop and Crimson homework to report, record a competing episode, and we'll see if our opinions align when we get back together to talk about Nova and Ironheart. Yes. All right. Can't wait for Nova. That's it. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us ramble for way too long. Um, we appreciate it. You can listen to another hour and a half of rambling if you want to listen to Crimson and Adderkop in two weeks. There you go. Oh, and we almost forgot to announce the MCM challenge. So MCM challenge number 16. We're really obsessed with this Sinister Assault modular set and how it mirrors the Sinister Six scenario. So you're going to play against Kang on Expert or Standard with any hero you want with the Sinister Assault as Kang's modular set. So that's going to add six, three boost icon cards to the villain deck. And when you get to Kang 3, um, the or 4, whatever the scheme is, where it says to everybody finds their nemesis minion and puts it into play, engage with themselves, what you're going to do is you're going to each go and find a minion from the Sinister Assault, Sinister Assault modular set and put that into play, engage with yourself instead. So Kang is traveling through time to gather Spider-Man's worst villains, and he's going to bring them all out before you defeat him. So that is the MCM challenge, and I hope to see a lot of people playing it right after or before Con of Heroes, depending on when we edit this episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 